Good? All right. Now, we started a couple weeks ago, and we, we started our church, and this is so cool. I love seeing these faces. It's great. If you are new, I really want to get to know you. And, and like Vic said, uh, I, would, uh, I would love to meet you anywhere. We, I meet at Schwackburger. I meet at the Wind and Sea. I meet at, uh, you know, all these places around here, Starbucks, wherever. Uh, that's my office. My office is to go to you. Uh, it's not to you to come to me between this time and this time and meet with somebody else and then meet with somebody else. Come directly to me. I'll go directly to you and we'll meet somewhere in the community. But we want to make sure that we are doing life together. The reason why is, one, that this is a church family and I'm the pastor of this church. And that means I'm the shepherd of this church. Doesn't mean I'm the boss. Doesn't mean I'm the CEO. Doesn't mean I'm the head honcho. It means I'm here to serve you. That is my job. I'm here to care for you and take care of you. So if you have anything going on, I would love to uh, come alongside you. Also, the things that we're talking about are actually very hard. When you're talking about a do-over, uh, they can be really hard. Owning your own stuff, who wants to own our own stuff? I would rather blame somebody else. It's so much easier. Or forgiving. We're going to talk about what that looks like today. Forgiving. What does it look like to really, to really dig down deep and forgive? This is going to touch a nerve in some of you, I'm telling you right now. Some of you are maybe have an ex-spouse, maybe a, a, a parent, a loved one, a trusted person who hurt you uh, somewhere down the line. This is going to be a tough one. I'm telling you now. The good news is, is that you don't have to go through life alone. That we will be here to come alongside you. And we're going to do that. This is what a church family does. So um, I got a, just a quick... Different example, but I was, um, you know, we, I decided to splurge, Melanie and I decided to splurge, and we, uh, we got uh, XM radio, and, I, and this is great, because now I get to listen to Journey 24-7, and, uh, you know, uh, I got my 80s music on, I love it, but we splurged, and I got XM radio, and uh, it wasn't coming on my car, and I was so frustrated, and so I decided to call XM. And all I kept getting was an automated person, and I was so frustrated. And then I finally got a person, and it hung up on me. So then I call right back, and uh, the girl said, Daddy, we got to go. Let's go. So I get in the car, we're, and I'm in the car, and I'm talking. And it's so frustrating. You ever have that? It's like, I go, speak to representative. I already know I want to talk to somebody. Speak to representative. I'm sorry. It sounds like you want to speak to representative. Yes, yeah, speak to representative. It sounds a awful lot like you want to speak to representative. Yes, yeah, speak to representative. And I'm screaming at the phone, so frustrated. And by this, and, and I'm like yelling at the automated person, and um, the girls I can hear giggling in the back going, Daddy's going crazy. And I'm like, yes, yeah, speak to a representative. Why can't you understand this robot lady? I'm literally calling this person robot lady. And I'm getting so, so mad and so frustrated, and they're giggling in the back. And uh, finally, it just hung up again. And I was so mad, so frustrated. And it's quiet for a while. And all of a sudden, Piper goes, you know, Daddy, you're a pastor and you're a daddy. You shouldn't yell at the robot lady. <laughs> I get it, Piper. Just, you know, Daddy's still a little frustrated. No, Daddy, you need to be a better example. Yeah. <laughs> daddy, if your church found out, they would be mad at you. <laughs> and I'm getting like, I know, I get it. I'm sorry. I, I, <laughs> you're right. Uh, and so she wanted me to call back. So I literally had to call back. Then I had to apologize to the automated voice to make her happy. Now, it was not a good moment for me, uh, but I started feeling a little bit guilty. Like, this was kind of a, a bad example to my girls. I really should have handled this better, a little bit more maturely. And I started kind of beating myself 
uh, up about it. And it was, you know, I was kind of frustrated. But haven't we all have that situation where we start to beat ourselves up, we start to replay something, I should have said this, I should have done that, I know it. And we have a hard time sometimes forgiving ourselves. Now it's very important to note this. It's very important to understand this right here. If you have a hard time forgiving yourself, you will have a hard time forgiving those who hurt you. If you have a hard time forgiving yourself, you will have a hard time forgiving those who have hurt you. Now, a lot of us are dragging around a lot of guilt, a lot of stuff like, well, you know what, I, I shouldn't have done this, I shouldn't have done that. Let me, let me make this so, so clear. God does not give you guilt. If you are suffering from guilt, it is not coming from God. God gives grace. Satan gives guilt to keep you imprisoned in whatever it is you're struggling with. He wants to keep you in this cage of guilt so then that you feel really bad so you won't go to church, you won't serve, you won't, be, you won't show love, you won't be the person God made you to be because you are suffering in this prison of guilt and you don't want to leave. So Satan wants you to do that. God says, no, I've given you grace. I, I've given you forgiveness. John 1.9 says this, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive our sins. We need to learn that God all unrighteousness. So the first step that we need to learn that God has forgiven us. He's paid the price. We're going to talk about this as we approach Easter, but when, when Jesus was on the cross, he literally said, literally, it is finished. And he said that because he wanted us to know this. He knew that was going to be in scripture. He knew we would be talking about it 2,000 years later. He said, it's finished. What does it's finished mean? It means the debt is paid. It means somebody came in and said, I know that they owed all this to you, but I'm going to write a check. Well, that's an expensive check, Jesus. You're going to have to pay through it through your flesh. I get it. I will pay that debt. They go free, though. That's the deal. I give up my life. They go free. Are we clear? That's what he did for us. It is finished. We, he frees us from that guilt. So why are we carrying around all this junk? I'm like, I shouldn't have done this, I shouldn't have done this, I shouldn't have done this. Yes, we have to own our stuff, but some of us are overly owning our stuff, and we're taking on the blame for everything. We don't need to do that. So what does it look like to really understand to forgive? What does that look like? We all have a thirst for, for justice. When we've been wrong, uh, we want to see people get what's coming to them. Do you ever notice that? Do you ever notice that in the movies, the villain is the main part of the movie? Why? We want to see the villain get it in the end. We want to see the villain get what's coming to him. You know, I still have a hard time with It's a Wonderful Life, that movie. You guys ever seen it? I want Mr. Potter to get it at the end, you know? It's so frustrating. It's like that cliffhanger. We want to see Batman get the Joker. We want to see Superman, you know, get Lex Luthor. We want to see the hero win and the bad guy get what's coming to him. We all have a thirst for that. Deep down, we do. And we want to see people get what's coming to them. But when, when that takes hold of our heart, it begins to poison us because now we become occupied and now we become obsessed with now that person needs to get it. I've been wrong, they have to get it. And we become obsessed with that. We do. But forgiving others is releasing yourself. Forgiving others is releasing yourself. Forgiveness isn't about the past, it's actually about the future. Forgiveness is not about the past, it's actually about the future. It's not so much about what someone did to you in the past, it's about the control they have over you in the future. Now, I want to clarify something really, really quick here. 
I am not talking about reconciliation. So if you're currently going through something that you're having a hard time with somebody else and you could forgive them, you could do that, but reconciliation is a little bit different because reconciliation takes two people. Does that make sense? Two people have to be willing to reconcile that relationship. You could forgive without reconciling, but you cannot reconcile without forgiving. It's very key there, and we'll, we'll talk a little bit more about that uh, later. Um, but actually, I do. I want to actually do want to park on that. You could forgive without reconciling, but you cannot reconcile without forgiving. That is a huge uh, distinction there. And I know a lot of you right now are maybe going through some relationship issues. You go, I've already forgiven them. Why can't we talk? Well, maybe that person doesn't want to reconcile with you. That's out of your control, but you can forgive them. Now, Matthew 18, 21 through 35 says this. Then Peter came to Jesus and asked, Lord, how many times shall I forgive my brother or sister who sins against me? Up to seven times? Jesus answered, I tell you, not seven times, but 70 times seven. Now, you would think that, that Peter would just kind of like let that park, but he, he really doesn't. He's like, seven times? Like, he's kind of offended. And Jesus day, by the way, in Jesus' day, the religious leader said you only have to forgive three times. So for, for, for Peter to go seven times, Jesus is like, no, 70 times seven. Okay, now some of you, if you want to do that in your head, that's 490 times. So if we want to get technical here, some of you are like, hey, I've already forgiven 489. So I only have to forgive this person one more time, and then I could just, you know, treat them like, you know, garbage. No. But this is a hyperbole. Jesus basically said, I want an infinity amount of times. I want you to continue to forgive, countlessly forgive. <clears throat> So we're going to continue on, on 23. Therefore, the kingdom of heaven is like, is like a king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. As he began the settlement, a man who owed him 10,000 talents was brought to him. Since he was not able to pay, the master ordered that he and his wife and his children all that uh, he had to, he had, he had, I'm sorry, excuse me. The master ordered that he and his wife and his children and all that he had to be sold to repay the debt. At this at this, the servant on, fell on his knees before him. Be patient with me, he begged, and I'll pay you back everything. The servant's master took pity on him, concealed the debt, canceled the debt, I'm sorry, and let him go. I'm going to read back that whole thing. At this, the servant fell on his knees before him. Be patient with me, he begged, and I will pay you back everything. The servant's master took pity on him, canceled the debt, and let him go. But when the servant went out, he found one of his fellow servants who owed him 100 silver coins. He grabbed, he grabbed him and began to choke him. Pay back what you owe me, he demanded. His fellow servant fell to his knees and begged him, be patient with me and I will pay you back. But he refused. Instead, he went off and had the man thrown into prison until he could pay the debt. When the other servants saw what had happened, they, out, they were outraged and went and told their master everything that had happened. Then the master called the servant in. You wicked servant, he said, I canceled all that debt of yours because you begged me. Shouldn't you have that same mercy on your fellow servant just as I had on you? In anger, his master handed him over to the jailers to, be, jailers to be tortured until he should pay back all that he owed. This is how my heavenly father will treat you, will treat each of you unless you forgive your brother or sister from your heart. Wow, that's a long passage, but it makes a lot of sense. What is he saying here? Now we're going to break down exactly what that means, but forgiveness is always irrational. Okay, there's always got to be a little crazy in forgiveness. It's always got to be. You know, when I was uh, at the store the other day, 
uh, and you know, I've, I've, like, I was thinking of times that I forgave. When I was writing this message, I was like, when it, I was, I've been forgiving a lot lately. This is pretty good. I went to the store, and I forgot to get my change, and I let them keep the 23 cents. I forgave that debt. I'm feeling pretty good about myself. And then somebody, I let somebody have a parking spot, and they, and they, and, and they cut me off, but I forgave them, and I let them have that parking spot. And I was feeling pretty good about myself and pretty proud of myself, like I'm forgiven. And then I thought of some people that really hurt me. And then it started getting a little darker. Did I really forgive them? Do they have control over me? When you see somebody's name pop up on your phone, do you suddenly get anxious? When the thought of meeting with that person face-to-face, do you get nervous? When you get an email from a certain person, does it start to uh, make you panic a little bit? I think all of us have had things like that. Well, then have I really forgiven it? Have I really forgiven that debt? I don't know. And this, this story, the talent, is one year's salary. So this man owed 10,000 talents. He comes to the king and asks for patience because he will pay back everything. That's laughable. He can't pay back everything. But we've all had people that have violated us and that have hurt us. But again, not reconciliation, but forgiveness. Listen, this is, this is going to get tough, for, and I'm telling you now. But when we really analyze this story, the story is the king is God. We are the servants. The debt is our sins. We all owed a massive debt with no way of paying it back. But God paid off our debts. Our debts. It's irrational. It's costly. And he did it primarily because he wants us to be close to, he wants to be close to us. He did it out of love. God is asking us to stop freaking out over the few dollars others owe us. But let's be honest. This isn't meant to diminish the pain that others have inflicted on you. There is real pain in here, isn't there? I get some of your prayer requests. I've met with you. I've talked with you. Right now, I know that some of you have been hurt by a loved one. And it's hard to reconcile that, what that looks like. Some of you are thinking, how in the world am I ever going to get back to, to being in a good relationship with this person? How in the world am I ever going to have a, a, a talk with this person when I know what they've done to me and they've hurt me? It's not about giving somebody your parking spot. That stuff's easy. I'm talking about crazy forgiveness. What does that look like? It's not for the other person. Let me just tell you that. It's for you. Because if you're holding on to unforgiveness, it is poisoning you. It's hurting you. But there is real pain here. There is real pain. If the motto of the world is vengeance, then the slogan of a Christ follower is forgiveness. Forgiveness is very costly, however. When we forgive someone for something, we give up that, that, right, that, that thing that we're owed. And that comes at a cost to us. Forgiveness can sometimes mean forgive a financial debt, you lose money. Forgive a parent, you give up the chance of vindication. Forgive an ex, you lose the right to make them see their mistake. Forgive someone who put you down, you give up the right to point out each of their flaws and failures. However, when we forgive the way Jesus teaches, we gain wealth we didn't know we had access to. We become stronger. We are at peace. We no longer are in the prison of resentment. We're not fighting off the scrap, fighting for the scraps on the floor. We actually have a seat at the head table. We don't have to try to try to work so hard to get somewhere that God's just saying, look, you're already here. You don't have to fight for those scraps. I've given you the head table. Anne Lott says this, forgiveness means it becomes unimportant that we hit back. 
Some of, for some of us, we are just too advanced though, aren't we? We're too mature to lash out, so we'll do this. You ever do this? We quietly walk away from a relationship. We stop returning phone calls. All of a sudden, we get real busy. We give them the silent treatment. Let me tell you. By, but by bearing or ignoring something isn't the same as releasing or forgiving it. You might want to write that down. By bearing or ignoring something, it's not the same as releasing it or forgiving it. We do what Jesus says and we forgive countlessly. You want a real do-over? We do what Jesus says and we forget, forget, forgive countlessly. The bigger the debt, the bigger the reward. The bigger the debt, the bigger reward. Now, I have intentionally kind of wanted to paint this picture here, and I wanted to share a story with you that would perfectly illustrate what I'm talking about, but I can't retell the story because it's very, very powerful. So I want to show you the story. I want you to see it. But it's a little bit long, so I'm going to give you a, a quick, you know, uh, just a precursor. It's, it's, it's a little long. I don't like to show videos that are longer than three minutes, but it's actually a seven-minute video. And but let's be honest, I've introduced longer videos in my ministry life. It's okay. Um, but, uh, but, but it's a really, really powerful uh, story. And those were good too. But it's a really powerful story, and I want you to, I want you to check this out. I've said, Lorraine's gone. I've never seen him graduate. Never see him married, you know, him have children. It seems unnatural for a parent to have to bury their child. On February 12th, 1993, Mary Johnson's only son, Loramian, was killed by four gunshots in a gang-related altercation. With the help of eyewitnesses, detectives found their prime suspect two days later. I think hatred began to set in just right then. During a police investigation, 16-year-old O'Shea Israel confessed to killing Loramian. After two years of hearings and appeals, he was tried as an adult and convicted of second-degree murder. Mary addressed him during her impact statement in court. I said, you know what? If my son had taken your life, I would expect him to have to pay the cost. And then I ended up telling him that I forgave him. Yeah, the word says, in order to be forgiven, you must forgive. So I said, well, okay, I had to tell him. But I wanted him locked up, caged, because he was an animal. And that's what he deserved. O'Shea was sentenced to 25 years in prison. The grieving process for me, I think it began um, after the trial, wave after wave after wave after wave, the tsunami. Just stuff, you know, hatred. Here I am, a Christian woman. I hate it this 16-year-old boy. And I never, ever thought I would be put back together. After the trial, Mary went through the motions of life. She visited friends and stayed active in her church. But it would be 10 long years before her emotional turmoil would end. In 2004, her pastor asked her to teach a class on forgiveness. As she studied the class book, Mary says she took a hard look at her heart. I'm hearing 
Mary, you need to repent. You need to repent for all these things that you've said about this young man, all these feelings that you've had for him. And I'm like, it's, I have right to have those feelings for him. Then I heard Mary, pray for him like you pray for yourself. And I'm like, I'm praying for him. Okay, so I pray for him like I pray for myself. And um, then I heard, every time his name comes up, every time you hear it within yourself, say, I choose to forgive. So I repented. And I really believe it was a true repentance. It was for real. It was for real. As Mary started to change, so did the person she was praying for. I started coming into myself, started maturing, and with maturity, I decided I wanted to hold myself accountable and be responsible for my actions. In 2005, Mary took another courageous step toward healing. She contacted the Department of Corrections and requested a face-to-face -face meeting with O'Shea. I have to make sure I have truly forgiven him. I don't have all the hatred. I was, like, peaceful. We had a conversation, and, and, you know, he admitted what he had done. He told me that, you know, if he could have communicated that night, um, things would have been different. And she asked a lot of questions about myself and my life, and it showed that she was interested in getting to know the person. And I told him, I said, look, I told you in court that I forgave you, but today, from the bottom of my heart, I want you to know that, uh, I forgive you. And he was like, ma'am, how can you do that? And I said, because of who is within me. It was a very powerful and moving meeting, but I felt like extremely compelled to just ask her, may I give you a hug to show her my genuineness. I do remember falling and he was holding me. He had to hold me up until I felt this thing leave me. And I instantly knew that all that hatred, all the bitterness, the animosity, all that junk I had inside me for 12 years, I knew it was over with. It was done, it was instantly, it was gone. Mary and O'Shea continued to meet and they eventually began speaking in prisons about forgiveness and reconciliation. The more and more we spoke, the more and more our bond started to grow. And Mary has turned into one of my biggest supporters. She worries about me when I'm not worried about myself. And that's something that a mother does. O'Shea was released from prison in 2010, and Mary arranged his homecoming party. I walked in and I saw all these people that I didn't know who only know of me because of the pain and the hurt I've caused. But I walk in and get hugs. I walk in and get smiles. That's another part of the forgiveness, like the community forgave me. Um, her friends were able to forgive me. Today, O'Shea and Mary are next door neighbors. They speak all over the country about the power of forgiveness. I am so grateful for who I am today in God and that I'm not that person that I used to be full of all that junk. Being on the other side of forgiveness is important in my life because it made me free enough to be myself. I, I can really 
live and enjoy life. I can enjoy people. I can enjoy being home. I can enjoy laughing. Outside of that, I got a huge family now. <laughs> you know, unforgiveness is a dangerous thing. And I tell you, when you allow the Holy Spirit to release you, oh my God, what freedom. What freedom there is. You'll be amazed at where you'll be at in your life. That's a powerful story. That is someone killed her son. And now they are doing ministry together. That makes no sense. When you think about it, it absolutely makes no sense. I am going to be very honest with you. I have been to seminary. I am a pastor. Um, I love Jesus. If somebody killed Piper or Phoebe, I would want them dead immediately. Truth. I wouldn't be thinking, how can I come alongside this person and do ministry? I would love to tell you that I would. I'd love to tell you that. But I'm being very honest. I'd want them gone immediately. It makes no sense. If we try to make logic out of this, it doesn't because it's illogical. Because the world says, no, get them back. Take them back. Those feelings that you're having of vengeance, those are good feelings. Act on them. That's not from God, though. You ever notice that? Do you ever notice when we feel like we need to get somebody back, what that's doing to us? Do you ever have somebody that, 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 or maybe you've had this before, where you have vengeance and you want to get that person back? How much time do you sleep that night? How relaxed are you when you can't wait to get this person back? How calm are you with that? Look, I'm not asking you to be happy about people hurting you. I'm not. I don't expect you to. We're human beings. But when we hold on to that hate, it is hurting us. It's actually hurting us. Does that lady whose son that's murdered look miserable to you? She has turned it around. Only God does this type of stuff. Only God can. Again, you might be thinking, well, you don't understand, Pastor James, this person abused me as a child. You have a legitimate right to, to be angry, legitimately. You, this person abused me in our marriage. This, 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 this person betrayed my trust. This ex-spouse is still hurting me. You have a reason. They were hurting you. You have a reason to be angry and frustrated. But at the end of the day, if you don't forgive, it will hold on to you, and it will keep you trapped in this, in this den of misery of trying to get somebody back. You know, Nelson Mandela actually had a pretty good quote. said, resentment is like swallowing poison and expecting the other person to die. It's really what it is. You know, I have some great examples in my life, and a lot of you know about stories uh, that I've had in my, my personal life. And, um, and I think that for you parents out there, you don't know this, but you are absolutely living an example to your kids now. You being a church here, you, you showing you being connected, you're living an example to them right now. Even if they act like they don't care about it, they still are getting something from this. You know, uh, you know, for, for, for me, I definitely had those examples with, with our parents and, 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 and our mom. And she showed us what it looks like. You know, I've told you before stories about her being in pain and her praying for my dad even when they were divorced. 
But I'll tell you, the worst Christmas I could ever remember, and for a long time it took me a while to actually go to be happy about Christmas. We, uh, when my parents had first gotten divorced, my mom was terribly mad that she was praying for him because I was like, I'm sad and crying and praying for my dad daily. Uh, and, I, and I was so mad that she was praying for him because I was like, I don't get why you're praying for him. But she'd always told me, if I don't pray for him, it's going to hurt me. And so we went to Christmas one year. My grandmother was very ill. And I'm not going to look at my brother when I say this story. But my grandmother was very ill. And um, um, she had listened to some things that just weren't true. Well, the uh, banks froze all of our assets, so we didn't have any money that Christmas to really do anything. But my mom mustered up some money, and she got some presents for my cousins and things like that. So she got her best outfit on, her best coat, and she took a deep breath, and she went to the doorbell and rang the door, and she couldn't wait to come in, and she had some presents for everybody. And um, it took a lot for her because this is a family that was technically no longer hers because my dad had left, and she felt like these people, you know, she... Uh, she didn't know how the response was going to be. So she took a deep breath and she goes, hi everybody, Merry Christmas. And some people said, Merry Christmas, good to see you. My grandmother said, what are you doing here? So I came for Christmas, Grandma. She goes, you're not welcome here, you need to leave. Fighting back tears, she says, okay. You know, gives people their stuff and goes home. So my brother said to my grandmother, don't ever talk to my mother like that again. I love you, but don't do that. She wasn't well. It was very sad. I went home, and she was crying her eyes out. This is Christmas Eve. When you think of Christmas, you think of Norman Rockwell. You think of Christmas trees. You think of all these things that, that make Christmas Christmas. And she is crying, and I couldn't understand a word she was saying. And she said, take my hand. And I said, why? She said, just take my hand. So I took her hands, and she said, get on your knees. Got on her knees. Let's pray for Grandma. And she couldn't barely get through the prayer. I, at that moment, thought, are you crazy, or are you weak? I don't understand the difference. But I realized, as a child, was she was so strong. We get up. Not long after, she shows up to my grandmother's home and she says, Hi, Grandma. And my grandmother didn't really know what to say. She goes, I just want you to know that I love you. Can I pray for you? And so she says, Yeah, yes, if you want to come in. My mom got on her knees. My grandmother was very ill. And my mom held her hand and they prayed together. And my mom said, I love you. And she says, I love you too. And I said, I'm so proud of you, Mom. I'm so proud that you did that. She said, James, I would have to be prepared for her to kick me out another time and another time and another time, but I would not give in to hating that woman. She was not going to let me hate her. She was not going to let me carry this on. And if she would have kicked me out, I'd come back the next day. And if she would have kicked me out, I would have come back the next day. And I was like, I can't understand it. She goes, forgiveness doesn't make any sense. You have to. It's what it does for me. Every time I do it, a, bar, a part of the resentment dies every time I do it. I'm not going to let anybody hold that over me. So when God is asking you to forgive 70 times 7, what he's saying is forgiving endlessly. Why? Because he wants you to be weak? No, because he wants you to be free. Somebody, of some of you right now, you are holding on to legitimate 
pain. Your ex is a total butt. I get it. Somebody could have seriously abused you. I get it. Something is really getting at you. Those are real things, but please understand this. When Jesus is saying, no, you need to forgive 70 times 7, he is saying, I want you to be free. I want you to experience what it's like to, to give up all that resentment. That lady's story is a perfect example of what God can do. Somebody kills her son, she goes off, and she ends up doing ministry. Okay. So here are some practical steps uh, of forgiving. We do have a, an interesting qu a quote here from a famous uh, writer, Louis B. Smeads. Forgiving does not erase the bitter past. A healed memory is not a deleted memory. Instead, forgiving what we cannot forget creates a new way to remember. We change the memory of our past into the hope for our future. You want a bright future? You got to forgive. You got to. Here's some practical steps as we close here. Name it. Name it. Many times we don't know how to forgive because we haven't recognized the debt that's been created. So let's name it. Let's not, let's not be Pollyanna about this. Let's name it. What's, what is that? What's the debt that's been created? We realize it's your problem. You realize it's your problem. What happened to you was their problem, but by carrying it is your problem. We stop rehearsing your fault. That wasn't your problem, but now carrying it on, that is. We stop rehearsing it. Just like my mom did with my grandmother. We learn to accept the apology that never came. Hers, in her case, she did. But just, you learn to accept that apology that never came. You may not ever get it. And you choose to release them. Forgiveness isn't the same as trust. Forgiveness is free, but trust is earned over time. There's a difference there. Okay? Well, I think it's really, really important. I'm going to say that again. Forgiveness is free, but trust is earned over time. So when you forgive somebody and you let it go, you have that freedom. But I'm not saying go ahead and trust them again. They got to earn that. You know? If somebody has hurt you in your life, they got to earn that way back in. They don't just get a, 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 a free pass to back in. They've got to earn that. But yes, forgive countlessly. So what if? What if in order to fully experience the do-over in your life, you need to first forgive someone else and allow them a do-over in their life? As we talked about, it could be a number of people that have hurt you. We're going to end with this verse here. Hebrews 12, 14 through 15 says this, Make every effort to live in peace with everyone and to be holy. Without holiness, no one will see the Lord. See to it that no one falls short of the grace of God and that no bitter root grows up, cause, grows up to cause trouble and to defile many. I want you to be able to experience the peace that comes from forgiveness. The only way to really get that is through Jesus. The only way to really get that is through Jesus. Like I said, this is going to be a tough one because some of you guys right now are, 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 are holding on to something. And if I'm being honest, I, I think I am too. I have some, there's some people in my life that if I were to see on the street, I would be like, because of what they did to me. But it does not hurt them. It only will carry pain inside of you. Can you do this on your own? No, you can't. You can't. I'd like to say you could, but you can't. That's why we're here. We're going to do this together. 
you, when, you, when you go through whatever storm life has, you're going to have some people that are going to go through this together. This is a church family. This is what we'll do together. If this message has, has, has sparked something in you, let's pray about it. Let's talk about it. Let's meet up. Let's, 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 let's go through this journey together. It's not going to be easy. For some, of these, for some of you, this forgiveness journey is going to be the hardest thing you will ever do. I'm telling you now. It will be dark and hard. Why? Why is it so hard, Pastor James? Because the enemy wants to keep you enslaved in this junk. This is how he controls you. He wants you to go, you owe, they, they are owed, so you got you to get them back. They will pay for what they did to you. He wants to keep you there. So he's going to try to make it as difficult as possible. It's going to be hard. But we have it within us to trust God, to say, you know what, we are going to forgive. I don't know about reconciliation, that takes two people. Trust, you'll have to earn it. But we will forgive countlessly. And we're going to give up all of that junk we've got inside of us and let it go. Jesus paid the ultimate price for us. I've said this analogy before, and I'm going to close you with this. I use my girls as an example, but if you're ever wondering how much God loves you, think of this. Think of your child. Think of your children. I, it, it would literally be like, and I'm going to talk more about this as we get to Easter, but it would literally be like me going up to a debt collector that I owe a lot to, or that everybody owes a lot to, those people. They're still, I go, okay, well, I've already paid my price. I'm good now. Debt collector was like, well, there's all those people. They still owe me a lot. And I go, okay, Piper, Phoebe, come over here. You could sacrifice them. They're yours. That means these people get to go. Deal. Okay, fine. That's what our Heavenly Father did for you and did for me. He said, here he is. Jesus, here I am. They all get to go, though. That's the deal. Okay. I'm here. I couldn't imagine giving up my children so that people that don't even care about me would go free. But he did it so that we all have it in us to forgive. Our, sin, our sins and our debt is paid. All we got to do is accept it. Let's pray. Father, I thank you so much for how you love us. Thank you for, for how you forgive us. Thank you for the opportunity to be in a church family that we can encourage each other and be there for an, an, an each other. God, I know that there's real pain in here. I know that this service touched off some real triggers here for some people. But Father, I pray for comfort and for peace for each of them right now, God, that they would leave here knowing that they are taken care of, God, that, that, that vengeance is not theirs, Father, that they don't have to, they don't have to, to do this on their own, that they don't, they don't have to see somebody get justice. Father, by just saying we, we forgive them, we're releasing uh, all of that junk in, in, in our lives, God. Father, you want us to be free, so help us to just live in freedom knowing that you've already forgiven us no matter what we do, our sins are, are forgiven, and that we could just have the grace to do that for somebody else. Father, I pray again for anybody who is right now currently going through something really, really tough, uh, that they would feel open to talking to us and to trusting you. Father, I don't, as you know, have the ability. I can't heal, heal somebody. I can't take away the pain, but you can. So we'll collectively, as a family, go to you for that, Jesus. We thank you so much for... Uh, what you have given us so that we could be free 
for eternity, God, through your son's sacrifice, we are free. It's in your precious name, Jesus. Amen. Vic, you want to come up and we'll close this out? Our last part of the service here.